Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we get spooky, sort of, and race to another round of series survival. Then we'll dive into vacation mode as we discuss the White Lotus. It's time for a top three turf war. All right, it's the beginning of October when you're getting this, but really uh, we're recording at the end of September. Isn't that right? That is correct. It's September 28th right now. The fact that we know it comes out in October has kind of awakened Ivana's love for horror, and she's been watching a ton of it. That is true. I've been watching so many horror movies recently that... uh, I, I don't know. I was just really excited and I couldn't wait until Halloween to do like a bit of a spooky special kind of idea. And are you re-watching old horror movies or are you finding all new stuff to consume? Uh, definitely watching a lot of classics, but everything's been new to me so okay. far. And sometimes it's even like really random. I don't even, I've never heard of these movies even indie horrors. I've been having a lot of fun going down that rabbit hole. But we've already touched on horror so many times. That's true. That you had an idea about kind of unintentional scary movies. Movies that stick with us. Movies that like are really scary. But these are not meant to be horror films. They're not meant to be thrillers or, uh, you know. But all of a sudden... You're walking away with the heebie-jeebies, even though that's not what the movie set out to do originally. Yeah. Although I guess here here's going to be an interesting thing because I guess it depends how literally you take the interpretation of heebie-jeebies. So uh, this was very hard for me. This was so hard for me. This was so easy for me. And I wonder if we just completely interpreted this differently i think we might have so i'm looking forward to hearing your list and uh and maybe maybe you'll be shocked to hear mine okay well what's your number three i i really want my number three on this top three turf war is going to be fantasia oh my god i totally get it it's terrifying three or four vignettes in the original fantasia scared the shit out of me yes that fantasia is terrifying I remember they showed it to us when I was in daycare and I I was like horrified. What is this monstrosity? It's a scary. Yeah. Totally get it. Fantasia is scary. Okay. It's been forever. I don't really remember. All right. So there is one with like a devil and it's like the end of days. I think it's rise of the Valkyries to that one. I don't know. But that's the other part of it is that. Classical music evokes so much horror uh, that that some of these just really get me. The Amazingly enough, The Sorcerer's Apprentice with Mickey Mouse freaks me out. When all of the brooms kind of turn on him. Yes, the broom. I was going to say the broom one was scary, whatever one that was. Not to mention the actual sorcerer is terrifying in The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Like when he comes back. I thought he was going to like beat the ever living hell out of Mickey. Oh yeah. That Fantasia is scary. Scary AF. And the one that I cried in when I was a kid that my mom always tells the story is the 
alligators dancing with the hippos one. I don't remember that at all. Like, I think I've blocked it out of my memory. Tell me about this. Well, it's just a ballet, but the, the ballerina is a hippopotamus. And I guess the alligator is a little nervous because the hippopotamus is bigger. I mean, this is total body shaming of this 40s film. But the alligator is really scared to, like, catch her ballerina style. But I just thought it was really scary to be dancing with alligators. (laughs) Like, that was my takeaway. I was like, screw this, man. Like, don't get near these alligators. Oh, God. So I love that that's your takeaway. You're so literal. You're like, yeah. I see an alligator. I know alligators are bad. (laughs) This is not going to work for me. (laughs) I got to get the hell out of here. So my mom likes to tell the story. When I was like three years old, she took me to see it. And there was a revival or something. And I just couldn't do it. As soon as the alligators was like, get me out of (laughs) here. So I threw Fantasia in there. I don't know. If Fantasia fits our scary non-horror. 100% fits. It is scary and it's not a horror film. Perfect. Like spot on. Okay. And and you know what? I'm excited for my number three and I think it's totally in the right realm. It is a Clockwork Orange. Oh, is a Clockwork Orange not a thriller? Is it a thriller? I is. I don't know. I I mean, it's, it's, I don't it's know. It's not like a, a murder plot. It's a really weird, artsy, like, strange dystopia. I, I've never thought of it as a thriller, like not in the sense, like a horror or a thriller or. IMDb does not classify it as horror or thriller. It says sci-fi. Crime. Yeah, that makes sense. And drama. Yeah. So I think you're in the clear. I, I mean, that was my guideline. Is like, would would the big sites have it as you know a thriller as a or thriller, horror? Yeah, I I don't think it's a thriller. It's it, it and it's horrifying. Like I, I remember yes. I had to first time I ever watched it was in university, and I actually had to stop halfway through and take like a break because I felt so uncomfortable and unnerved and. Like, just scared of these guys and the way that they looked at you. It's, oh, the way that they look at you, it's just, blah. I don't like it. (laughs) Not to mention you throw on the makeup and the singing and the rain and, oh, it is, it is definitely nightmare fuel. Exactly. So, so that was why it was on my list. It's been a while since I've seen it. Um, So, like, I don't really have like I probably need to rewatch to be honest just like I'm scrolling through the stills and I'm like yeah I need to rewatch this a clockwork orange is a hard movie to even go back to like it's not a fun thing to sit through no it's not it's really uncomfortable the whole time yeah so I hey look most of the films on my list I'll either never never revisit or uh, you know, not because they're not good. I, I, I can definitely see the merit in these films, but I don't want to go back to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. They disturb you to your core. What is your number two? All right. My number two is maybe the scariest movie I've ever seen in my life. And it is Ooh. not a horror film. It's not a thriller. It is Kids, which is from 1995. Uh. Okay, put a pin in it. We'll put a pin in it. 
We'll put a pin in it. What's yeah. your number two? <laughs> All right. My number two is um, another 90s film. Uh, I saw it uh, like way too young. Like, because my parents had illegal cable. Um, should I be saying that? Ah, it's fine. It's been so long and it's not like they have it anymore. You can't. I don't think you. there's retroactive policing on the illegal cable. <laughs> on the illegal cable of one's youth. Um, That's right. So I got... T- I had all the pay-per-view movies and I saw it when I really shouldn't have. And I was really quite young and man, that fucking baby, that fucking (laughs) baby. Um, they're, 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 first of all, for a child who like barely understands the concept of drugs to be watching this like drug fueled, like trip. Oh, I know what you're talking about. That scene came on in particular. I will never like, be able to forget the visual of when they do heroin and then they like drop into the ground. And then later when he's coming off and the baby and and he's having like, you know, withdrawal and the baby's on the, on the ceiling and just like its head is twisting around, but it's all bloated because they killed the baby. Oh, it's just, this movie is insane. And and I watched it quite young. And honestly, it is scary. It still scares me. Um, I might fit like my stomach will get all tied up in knots whenever I have to watch it. So did you actually say the name of this? Because I must have missed that. Oh, shit. Did I? OK, the, the name was train spotting. Of course it was train spotting. As soon as you said this, this baby, I was like, oh, I know where she's going with <laughs> yeah. this. Like, yeah, that baby's terrifying. Uh, that ceiling monster. That, you know, oh. is just like hanging out. of the, Oh, God, it's terrible. Terrible. Oh and my then gosh, he wakes totally up. Right. I, I launched into it. I totally forgot the name. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. I'm sure that it was. Yeah, no, no. I, I feel like everybody <laughs> caught on at the same time that yeah. I caught on. But it, it just, you know, I was like, maybe you should say train spotting at some point. So. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. My number one sort of fits for other reasons. This is the most. This is a a film I saw recently. I wouldn't say it's the best film on the list, but it's, I think it's a good, good film. And it is a film called Rosewood. Rosewood is the story of a black community doing very well. And there's white neighbors. And one of the white neighbors gets sexually assaulted and blames a black person and all the white people come and burn down the community of the, of Rosewood. And this is a real story. And the thing that scared me the most about it was how quickly people believed this woman and how little remorse there was as she watched an entire town burn. That was the scariest thing. So many people die. I'm watching homes go down. I'm watching people get shot in their house. And I'm just like, this woman said this lie. Like, oh, that was the thing. She actually got sexually assaulted by her boyfriend. And that's what started this whole thing. And and it was just unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. This film. And and did you did you say it was recent or it's old? I found one on IMDb from 1997. Yeah. 1997, but I only recently watched it last year, I'd say. And Mm. it could have been earlier this year. And it's just really top of mind. Because while I'm going through like scary non-horror films, I'm thinking of 
obviously I'm thinking like Schindler's List and The Passion of Joan of Arc and, you know, Black Klansmen. But these are all for other reasons, right? Like Black Klansmen, mostly for a bunch of white people sitting around watching Birth of a Nation and laughing and, and right. like terrifying, right? Like that's absolutely terrifying. And that I think got me on the train of thinking of like, oh, but there was that film Rosewood where I just could not believe this woman's like lie that burned a whole town down. Like it was unbelievable. And she just like did not really care at the end of this. And why are they burning down an entire town of people? So that was, uh, that was the thing. It was, it was like all of a sudden we had an excuse to go over there and tear it all down. And these, oh my these God. lynch mobs just, re- and this is based on true events. There was a town called Rosewood. It was a genocide. What, how do people get to a place where they can allow themselves to be part of something like this? I just don't even understand. It was horrific. It is terrifying. Yeah. And it You're was right. terrifying. That's a yeah. great number one. Yeah. Cause that's, it's horrifying. Like just to think about it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, good, good number one. Uh, so that's Rosewood, but let's let's talk about kids, though. So the next number one film that we're going to talk about, yeah, is kids. Oh wow, is this movie scary? Scary. Like, I I actually wrote a paper in high school for my like uh, English media class uh, defending this as the number one horror film, and that like it was created, you know just to like warn about the reality out there and like what you have to be afraid of. You know, there there's not too many things about AIDS that that really really at that time in life really affected me. I wasn't having sex. I wasn't you know, I was worried about it, but I was always like I'll, I'll be safe, you know. Mm-hmm. I knew what it was. But when I saw kids and this kid is 15 years old, has AIDS, doesn't know he has AIDS, and is going around de-virginating women. I shouldn't say women, like 13-year-olds. And you're waiting to see what happens throughout this film. If this boy gets with this girl and gives this girl AIDS... It's, it's insane. So scary. Yeah. The the thing about the movie that is so scary is like you're right. Like we we didn't grow up in a in the same fear or presence or uh shadow of AIDS as I think uh Generation X would have because they were right. Like that, because AIDS was around the 80s into the early 90s, and then they started to have by what the 2000s like pretty good um medications to guard against it so it was also it wasn't in the shadows it wasn't like it was like this is what aids does this is how to help prevent aids you cannot get aids by being a friend of somebody like there was a lot more awareness when right yeah like if you you can see those like shows from the sitcoms from the 80s where they would have the special aids episodes where they would like try to educate people that you cannot get AIDS from hugging someone. Right. But it's it doesn't even matter if you live through it, if you didn't live through it, because this movie 
puts you into it because you're, as you said, you're waiting to find out what's going to happen. You, you know something that not everybody knows and the tension and the discomfort that you feel knowing what you know, watching young, young kids like go through. I know. So it's, it's very visceral. It's very, um, it's emotional. It's hard. It's you, you cannot watch that movie and feel unscathed. You know what I mean? I I also want to say that like these kids seem much more malicious than other children in movies. Like there's just something harder about the kids and kids. Does that make well, yeah, sense? Because they're like, they're inner city kids. They're harder kids. Okay, but you were an inner city kid. I don't know if I would be inner city because it wasn't like it was downtown Toronto. It was definitely like still Toronto proper, but not quite downtown. So I think a little different. This is like New York City and like kids that don't have parents around that much kind of kids. And and these are like latchkey kids, no parental yeah. guidance skateboarding in central park there's so there was something dangerous and wild about them they they were absolutely and i think that was actually part of the allure of the kids look like they were like more edgy than i was or my friends were or that we could ever pretend to be but i feel like um that was part of it like these kids were more grown up yeah yeah they were definitely having grown-up problems and yeah uh, you know, their day to day did not feel real to me, but it also felt very like real in a scenario that maybe could happen. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. It, it didn't feel like my world. It felt, but it was very scary to be along for the ride. And you said something earlier is that the audience is let into information that nobody else in the film has. Mm-hmm. And when the one character finds out and it's a race against the clock, I mean, it, 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 it is heart pulsing and heart pounding, but I will not watch that film again. Like I, it scared me, scared me straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, you know what? It's, it was a great film, scary film. I'm very happy that it's on both of our lists. So that makes this easier. Well, yeah, yeah. I feel like kids should get the number one spot because it's on both our lists. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a film I will not go back and watch. And I still, to this day, say it's one of the scariest films I've ever seen. I think Rosewood should be next because, my God, that is horror. It, it was definitely, it scared the shit out of me. And it, you know what? The thing about Rosewood is it's not that scare of like The Exorcist or you saw a creepy thing as a kid. It's, you know, it's when you turn on the news and you're like, this should happen again. Yeah. We have to stop this from ever happening again. Well, what do you think half of those Karen videos are? Like, do you remember the first Karen video or at least the first one that I was aware of, which was that Karen calling the police saying that there's like a black man threatening her at the park and he was not oh, doing the bird anything. Watcher. And we were, yeah. Yeah. Like, man, like that's, that was that. Just thank goodness the world wasn't fooled. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, the world wasn't fooled and people have cell phones now. 
to protect themselves. But that Karen was doing the same thing that the woman in Rosewood was doing, right? And so it happens to this day. We have literal video footage of it. Yeah. I totally see why why you think could this happen now. So Rosewood is number two. Number three, I have Fantasia. And your number three. Train spotting in a clockwork orange. So I think I would go train spotting over clockwork I orange. Agree. I think train spotting is scarier. Um, so I think it's between Fantasia and train spotting. And both are scary. I think we go with train spotting on this one only because the vividness of the baby. I'm sure if I saw the alligator today <laughs> trying to avoid dancing with a hippo, I'd go just dance with her. You damn sharp tooth fool. <laughs> you wouldn't have the same reaction as three-year-old Jay? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. I don't know if I'd still be horrified by the Sorcerer's Apprentice, but Honestly, I know. that is a horrifying one. But I know I'm going to be horrified no matter what by the baby. And then he like shits the bed and the shit goes yeah. everywhere. It's a crazy oh. scene. I hate that baby. That, or even the I coming out it. of the toilet oh i hate i hate all so of much it. about it's this movie it's so gross let's go with train so spotting gross and let's Ugh. count this down number three terrain spotting number two rosewood and the number one scariest non-horror film is kids kids all right so you said to me in a text i have so many honorable mentions I have and I was so like, many honorable I mentions. don't know what you're talking about. This is the hardest thing to figure out. I don't know what you were saying earlier. So tell me some of your honorables. This one is a little bit of a cheat. So I'm going to start with it. Uh, Coraline, which I, like, I feel like has, because it's Tim Burton, it has that like creepiness to it. So maybe it's a bit of a cheat. Yep. But I wanted to add it because I saw it in movie theaters and I was honestly scared. I like... I, it was fall. I remember when we were like walking back from the car, I was really happy that I wasn't alone because it was like dark and fall and crisp and scary. And, and I was like, yeah, wait, like way too old to be this afraid of a kid's movie. So so that's why I made the list, even though it's a bit of a cheat. So the rest of these are legit. Requiem for a Dream. Fucking terrifying. Obviously. Obviously. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I know this is a kid's film, but it's the scary. The tunnel scene. The tunnel scene. Everything. The Oompa Loompas. They're so scary. Um, Black Swan. And that one, maybe it's a thriller, so it doesn't count. I think Black Swan. I, I kept Black Swan off, but obviously Black Swan would be number one. Yeah, maybe maybe that one was a little bit too much of a disqualification. You're right. The lobster. Okay. The lobster. Uh, yeah. Definitely not supposed uh, to be yeah. scary. Oh, it's like, it's so stilted and weird and uncomfortable. And I was honestly kind of a little bit afraid the whole time. Um, Killing of a Sacred Deer didn't make it because, you know, thriller. Parasite. I don't think Parasite is supposed to be, maybe it's a, I don't know what Parasite is. I don't know. I, Parasite is every genre. So I didn't every throw it genre. on the list. Because it, it does everything. It does everything. But that's why it also kind of had to be mentioned. Pinocchio. Whoa. Like, Disney movies are terrifying. The donkeys. Terrifying. Everything. Yeah, the donkeys are so... Oh, the, oh, the donkeys. Oh, my God. That is that is nightmare. Nightmare. Uh, and then finally, 
in 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 honor of the hell that we are living through, Contagion. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I Contag- think Contagion's also got to be a thriller, right? Like like Outbreak has got to be a thriller. Like these. No, maybe- no, Outbreak's a thriller, but Contagion isn't a thriller. It's like a slow paced drama. I guess. I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so for me, I had Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh yes, good choice. <laughs> There's something about the way that movie just is that is scary about it. I don't know why. It's just like someone stole his bike. And as a kid, that's scary. And then he goes with like large Marge and that's scary. And there's just a lot of creepy stuff in that film. hundred percent, hundred percent. This one's weird is uncle buck because I love uncle buck, but there's a scene in uncle buck where he shows up with a drill to get the guy. And when I was a kid, now I don't think this anymore. I think it's a pretty crazy scene. But when I was a kid, that scene scared the crap out of me. He's walking through the party. He goes up. He's got the drill. He opens the door. He smiles at the guy. And I'm like, is he about to kill this guy? Also, Uncle Buck was like not charming. Like, <laughs> or he was charming. I don't know. He's not a, I don't know. Uncle Buck is a little... He's kind of creepy. He's an unusual case. Yeah. Yeah, But he's wonderful, but he's also kind of creepy. There's just creepy things in that movie. The guy who comes to hit on his niece, bug, everything bug is creepy. And then like the principal has the giant thing on her face and he's like, flips her a quarter, go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face. Come on. Like there's just moments that are creepy in that movie that just creep me out. Uh, Girl Interrupted scared me. I've never actually seen that movie. Angelina Jolie's like ridiculously good and crazy in that film. And it's it's a scare. Anything with that kind of insane, like the asylum. I wanted to throw Mm -hmm. Cuckoo's Nest on the list, but I felt like that was also probably in the thriller. thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think it's like black swan shouldn't have been in my list. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then snow white and the seven dwarves. I've said it millions of times before that, that witch is way too scary for a kid's movie. Scares the shit out of me. Honestly, those super old Disney films, something is up with them. And then like other ones for other reasons, the passion of Joan of Arc. What are you doing to this woman for, an hour and a half runtime where I'm just bawling my eyes out. Cause I just can't believe these clergymen are like harassing this woman this way for an entire film before she burns. It's just, Oh, heebie jeebies. And you know, Schindler's list. Oh yeah. I don't need to explain yeah, why yeah. Schindler's list is terrifying. Yeah. So there's lots after I got into See, it. You have, you have a long list too. Yeah. yeah. But I, but I didn't realize like, it was hard to come up with this because I nothing normally when we come up with the top three turf war, I'm like, boom, I got my first one. Like we did the music thing and I was like, boom, bodyguard. It's up there. Yeah. Yeah. You usually have it. So in this time it was flipped. I was like, yeah, I have this list. This is done. Like totally, totally. So anyway, there's our scary, not scary movies uh, for your viewing pleasure to get you into the autumny creepy Amazing spirit, and I think it was a good one. Thank you so much, Ivana. All right, so things are going a little spooky, So, uh, and it's getting a little cooler. It's cooler here in Pittsburgh. How about in Toronto? It's going down to 9 degrees tonight, and I couldn't be more excited. Holy 
Oh like, my I'm gosh. So that's the one thing I think that I love the most about Pittsburgh is that it's so much warmer in the fall and the spring. It's just just warmer enough than Toronto that like I love it. I love it all four seasons still, but it's just not quite as bitter cold as nine degrees in September. What is that? <laughs> That's just the Canadian weather. So, but yeah, are you telling me you don't get the humidity there like in the summer? Oh, no, no, no. There's still humidity here and stuff like that. It's it's equally hot. It's just not as cold. But yeah, with with all this like cooling down, I ha- I've been getting into like the plaids and the like fall things. How about you? What are your fall traditions, Jay? Okay, so every single fall, um, Becky and I hunker in at some point, usually at a cabin, and we watch a film. Now, this is the film's title. I don't believe this is uh, appropriate anymore, but it was in the 90s and directors didn't know better, but it was called Indian Summer. And it's I've a heard of film. that movie. I've heard of that movie. Is it with like like one of those 90s heartthrob guys? Uh, I don't think anybody's really that. Like, I think the biggest person in it is Kevin Pollack or maybe. Oh, no. Alan Arkin is like the biggest name in it. And okay, Sam Raimi. Okay. Sam Raimi is a bit player in it. He's like actually oh, in the film. Sam Raimi. Cool. But really, there's no, like, massive heartthrobs. Here's the... I'll give you the premise. It's a true story, apparently. There was a summer camp in the 70s in Algonquin Park here in Canada, in Ontario. I was just in Algonquin when I watched this movie. And it was called Camp Tamaqua. It is still there to this day. And apparently a lot of, like, filmmakers, I don't know why, went to this camp growing up. And this film was made in and inspired by the the guy who ran it, Lou Handler. And it's this love story to the camp and to those days gone by where, where it's fall. And he invites some campers up from the 70s, those campers from the 70s who now it's the 80s. So they're grown up and it's kind of got like a big chill sort of feel to it. But, you know, it's Lou is leaving the camp and. He just wanted to share some time with the with some golden age campers, as he puts it. Oh, my God. I'm looking this up on IMDb. And first of all, I think I've like heard of stories of, of filming this or something like because I think it was, was filmed in Canada, maybe. In, oh, yeah. In, yeah. It was oh yeah. it was filmed up at the camp up at Camp Tamaqua. Right. It, Sam Raimi does a bit part in it. I think Sam Raimi went to this camp as a kid before he did the Evil Dead. Wow, that's so cool. I swear to God, I have heard about this movie and it's like a Canadian film like treasure. And I love that you watch it every year. Every year at a cabin without fail. When it becomes fall, Becky and I put it on. Sometimes we watch it in the summer when we're camping or something. But usually it's the fall because it's shot with fall colors everywhere. It's beautiful fall film. Uh, You know, and one of our new traditions is to go up to this place. If you're from Ontario, I recommend the steep resort fees. It is called Buttermilk Falls Resort. And you get a cabin for a weekend. And, you know, they have resort amenities. You can go in a, you grab one of their 
canoes. You could take advantage of the communal fire fire pit. You can have a fire indoors. You can, uh, you know, whatever. You just need to bring your food up. Everything else is taken care of for you, basically. That's they even awesome. get your first wood fire stove ready. So when you come in, all you got to do is light it with one match, shut the door, and your wood stove starts burning. It's really kind of nice. They cut all your wood. You just walk up, get your wood, come back. It's uh, it's great. We So we just had our second annual trip um, this weekend. And that's that's tra- oh, tradition. I love too. It. Yeah. Now, what are your fall that's traditions? That's so cool. Oh, um, well, tons of horror movie watching. Like the second yes. it starts to get cold, that is like a big thing. I'm just craving more and more and more. It starts to get cold out. I want to watch spooky things. Yes. Um, wearing a lot of plaid. I have to be honest. I will live in plaid <laughs> from the fall until the end of spring, but usually not that much in the summer. So like there's only one season that I'm not wearing it and it's ending now. And I think that I do a lot of like, I start to like, I don't know, plan for the, the, like, it feels very like, this is the time to plan your future. This is the time to think about like, what are you going to start or change or do? Um, And really just start like staying in a lot more and doing nothing, which admittedly this year is no different than any other time of the year because we're still quite locked down. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> doesn't feel that different. So I'm, I'm very excited to say that today, as of today, experts have said that Ontario is in a very stable situation when it comes to COVID-19. Now, whether that changes going into the winter, you know, everybody's got to stay vigilant. But to say that after what we've been through for so long, And to say that we're in a stable condition now makes me feel pretty warm and fuzzy. I've had to use my passport, uh, you know, show my show my double vax at a couple of restaurants, which felt really nice. Uh, You know, it was interesting because you're in there, you're having your meal and you're looking around. You're like, everybody in here is double vax. Definitely vax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, I really feel like. Ontario proves, you know, without a like without a doubt, this is what you get if because Ontario has great vaccination numbers. I think I was looking them up today and it's like 77 percent have one shot and like 71 percent have two shots or something. I think we actually just passed. uh, I think we just passed 80, 80 percent with one dose. And is that like 12 and up maybe or maybe yeah because sometimes it all depends on what figure. of course but yeah that's yes. amazing yes so 80 percent one dose oh and, i'm sorry and then it's 85 percent of the eligible population have one dose 80 percent have fully dose so we're in like a really good position a really good position and i feel like People need to pay attention. People need to just like, look, oh, look, here's a place, Ontario, you've got great vaccination numbers. And now you're looking at stable COVID-19 numbers. So it's like, if we just keep going, if people actually sit here and listen and get vaccinated, then there's a way out of this. The way out. And we're living proof. And it's, I'm going to the movies for the first time tomorrow. And I'm like, I'm kind of giddy. I have to 
going to the office tomorrow, which is also terrifying in a in a totally different way because I have to, you know, wear pants. And that sucks. <laughs> series survival. Dun, dun, dun. It's another round of series survival where we take a look at a couple of new series that are coming out and we predict are they going to make it to a second season? It's you you voted for this fans of the show or maybe just Twitter <laughs> friends, I don't know. Uh we put a poll out today saying, "Hey, do you want us to do a BuzzFeed or do you want to do a, a, another round of series survival?" and and it wasn't me. It was not me. So, yeah. uh so I I can... also asked but like was too lazy to do a poll and just had like a lot of like like retweet but no one actually responded i don't know what that means so we're doing a series survival hi friend (laughs) the first one on our list today comes out october 8th it's a netflix show this has got to give ivana all the feels this is a situation comedy as the 1980s can lend to us it's a show called pretty smart about a smart sister who joins a roomed rooming house comes to live with her other sister who lives with I don't want to say they're not smart but they're not as smart as her sister let's say that yeah it's it's like a reverse big bang theory meets um young and hungry that's a great way to do it okay so if you were think you're Sheldon Coming to live with a bunch of pennies. That's it. That's it. And it has that vibe. But it like, so it has the vibe of um, Big Bang Theory. But then as well, it kind of has the vibe of those, you know, those sitcoms that are like. Oh, it's got Full House written all over it. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, they, it's like, it says it's for, you know teenagers and adults but really it's actually kind of for like tweens that's it's got that vibe oh yeah totally i know what you're saying it's got that like disney channel teenage vibe yes yes (laughs) it's like it's like big bang theory and disney channel teen vibes made a baby and that's this show yeah so it's and it's october 8th and it's netflix okay what's your oh and by the way as always, we've got the links in the show notes. So if you want to see these trailers, check them out. All right. I so Jay, don't uh, know. What's your what's your prediction? Yeah, this one's uh, hard to tell, actually. Really hard, hard to hard tell. Hard to tell. Because it looks it looks bad. pretty dumb. <laughs> it looks bad. It does not look good. But here's the thing. None of those Disney Channel shows really look good. And specific ones. So like the one I'm thinking of, Young and Hungry, also is with the same girl, like the same lead girl, um, Emily Osment, who also is from Hannah Montana. So like she knows she's been in two successful kind of like hot, Disney Channel cheesy kind of comedies. She really knows how to headline these shows. She has the perfect amount of like knowing that it's cheesy and also like authenticity in what she's playing. So I feel like they've really cast strongly here. And I think that could definitely play to their benefit. The other thing is that 
Netflix has actually not done too badly with their Disney Channel tween programming. You know what I mean? Like they usually kick around for a season or two um, and they tend to end up in that top 10 list for at least a short period of time. I have a feeling that this show is actually skewing also a little bit older. So I think it's trying to widen the net. And I think that it's going to be like it's meant to be a a guilty pleasure for those of us like me who uh, watched Fuller House. And so I think it's going to appeal to this audience as well. And Fuller House did pretty well. So I'm going to go renewed. Okay, I'm going to say renewed as well. Uh, that that was pretty eye-opening, everything you just dropped on me. And I I have <laughs> to agree that I didn't know that this person was from Hannah Montana and bringing that audience over. And I also, because my concern is always, there's so much on Netflix that things get buried. And I hadn't heard totally. about Pretty Smart. So I, I'm not getting served it as in my algorithm. I also but haven't been in Netflix. But you're not the target market either. So I, I am in Netflix and you're right. I haven't really been served the updates for it, but... This is definitely skewing younger, but it's going to try it's trying to be a guilty pleasure to those of us who are older because like the dude in it, the guy, he's like shirtless all the time. So he there's definitely a bit of like wink wink nod nod to yeah, all older audience members. Yeah, there's yeah, some Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. But so I think we both say we're in the top 10. Yeah. What's next? Next is an HBO Max series called 10-Year-Old Tom. And this is an adult um, animation. And it is coming out September 30th. So that's two days from when we're fil- like recording this episode. Um, so we haven't seen it yet. And uh, it's 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 pretty like I don't know how to describe it. How would you describe it? It's a ten year old boy. It's very adult. It looks like an HBO Max version of Big Mouth. Yes, yes, it's like an HBO Max Big Mouth. I'm just gonna throw it out and say I don't think that this lasts on HBO Max. I'm saying it is canceled after one season. Animation is very expensive. I, I thought they had a lot of great talent in this, but this is due to come out in a couple of days and people are on HBO are watching the white Lotus. You've got billions coming back. You got succession coming back. You've got curb coming back. I don't think that this hits people the same way. And HBO max viewers are still watching the Snyderverse. So I think that 10-year-old Tom gets canceled. All right. Well, we have a disagreement because I'm going to go renewed. And here's why. Here's why I think this is going to get renewed. This is one of my wishful thinking votes. Um, Something about this trailer got me really excited about the comedy being had in this, this animation And I think it's going to pair well with Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I think that those two are going to be a winning combination. So I hope that they're on the same day. That's a good call. Uh, All right. The last one is an Apple TV Plus show coming out October 8th. And it is called Acapulco. And it is basically following 
Uh, the story is being told to his son, or maybe even a grandson or a nephew. I'm not sure, but he is reminiscing about his time working at a resort in Acapulco. And I mean, so funny that I literally just watched the white Lotus and now I'm watching this show or this trailer for this show. But to me, Acapulco is, you know, you know how like in Hollywood, sometimes there's a script and it feels like somebody else got wind of that script and made a similar script like Dante's peak and volcano coming out around the same time or, Oh, interesting. You well, know, yeah, there, there does tend to be like trends, trends yeah. in, in themes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that Acapulco, which takes place in the eighties looks like a hilarious, good-natured show, um, you know, about class set in Acapulco um, with, it looks like a heavy Latino cast. I think this is going to be great. And I say it's going to be renewed. I also am going to go renewed. So that's like a trifecta of renewed for me. Um, I think for one, Apple TV Plus is probably still renewing all of its content. Because I think Apple TV Plus... It's going to be important for them to because they're saying they're investing in quality that they're going to stand by their their creators. And I think that's going to be a key differentiator to that platform. The other thing is that I'm surprised you didn't mention Jane the Virgin because it reminded me of a gender swapped Jane the Virgin set in the 80s, a little bit less uh, self-aware, a little bit less uh, maybe witty but definitely just as funny and just as much heart as Jane the Virgin and this is like definitely a telenovela looks really good the set design is gorgeous the colors like it's so bright it's bright it's exciting it looked a little bit sort of like physical um except physical doesn't look as fun as this Yes. Yeah. Have you seen physical? Physical is not no. as fun as this. Yeah. <laughs> no. This looks like, I don't know. It looks like a musical almost. It just looks so exciting. It uh, it looks really really fun. I actually th- I can't wait to watch it. So we have I had I had Apple TV Plus free for a year. Then it like was about to stop being like you know it was like oh now you're gonna have to start paying for it and then Ted Lasso was coming so we were like well for the whole Ted Lasso we're definitely paying for Apple TV plus for all of Ted Lasso Ted Lasso is I think I've decided maybe my favorite show of all time at this moment crazy crazy to determine that today I, it's, I think about it all the time. It's just, and so like, and I remember when it came on, I was like, well, I have to pay for Apple TV plus while at minimum they are airing Ted Lasso. Like this is like, I love this show so much. I must pay for it to prove how much I love this. And then, and so we'll see. The thing is they keep coming up with content where I'm like, ugh. I do want to see that show and you are making good content. The content is pretty quality right now on Apple TV plus. I'm not going to lie. You get mythic quest, you get Ted Lasso, 
Dickinson's not bad. I'm kind of excited to see this new... um, Mr. Corman, okay, so Mr. Corman is not for everyone. Oh, I didn't even try it. If you are into surrealism, if you are into introspection, if you are into Lost in Translation, maybe even, this is a show for you to check out. I, I'm kind of into it. I'm into it. So for all those reasons, I think, uh, I don't know, how should we end this? Okay. Oh, just say the score. Oh, yeah. Say, just say, like, okay, that's three renewed Like, for do me. a little wrap-up. Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So this week, uh, we've got some pretty interesting results. We've got Pretty Smart from Netflix. I say renewed. Jay says renewed. 10-year-old Tom from HBO Max. I say renewed. Jay says canceled. So this is going to be a big one coming up. Yeah. And then, once again, we're in agreement with Acapulco and two renewed's. This is Top Drawer TV. It's entirely possible that around your social circles, you're hearing the name The White Lotus here and there. And that's because it's a new HBO series that's got a lot of attention. It's basically a story about this tropical resort named The White Lotus in Hawaii. And we follow the story of a couple of different groups of people taking in a resort vacation. We meet an extremely wealthy family, a pair of newlyweds, a manic woman looking to provide a last dying wish to her mother, and the exceptionally interesting employees hosting these people. As the first episode starts to unravel, we get to know our players a little more in depth, including the staff who is run by a New Zealand man named Armand. Armand is training a new recruit on her first dame named Lonnie who just happens to be hiding a pregnancy from her new boss. Armand is basically pumping into her all the rules of being superficially kind to everyone staying at the resort. All the while, our newlyweds, Shane and Rachel, have their first marital spat because Shane just won't relax about the amazing room that they're in and the fact that they haven't been upgraded to a room that he thought that they had been placed in and paid for. In the Richie Rich family, the teen daughter who has a friend on this extravagant trip is doing her best to make her brother and anyone else who even talks to her feel like hot garbage, you know. Teenage stuff. And this is all while their parents are worried about a diagnosis of testicular cancer coming from the father of that family, Mark. And mother, played by Connie Britton, is very overprotective of her son, who she forces Mark to spend time with instead of constantly looking at his balls. We we get a great full frontal focus in on those danglers. Oh, great scene. I love a good male nudity moment. All right, and finally, there is Tanya, played by the legendary Jennifer Coolidge, who uh, is just not acting right at all. She wants a massage really bad, and then when no one is available, this kind-hearted Belinda takes her in and gives her a consult, and then very quickly, Tanya starts to become obsessed with her. It's an interesting first episode, to say the least, culminating in a kind of pretty funny scene where Lonnie giving birth in Armand's office. Yeah, pretty interesting. So what does that mean, Jay? What did you think of this show? (laughs) You know what? You knew. This is not a show for me. I was pretty bored 
watching this show. I kept on thinking to myself, like, wouldn't this be a great two hour movie? Wouldn't this be a great two hour movie that I, I don't have to sit like you have sat through like seven episodes of this show. I, all of them there. They're, it's fully out. I think 10, 10 episodes, 10. That's worse. I thought this was great. First of all, the ending is worth it. So, um, like just Always to, putting just in to the like, time. it's not, it was a delight. I was hooked from the first episode. Blake wasn't. He took till the second episode, but it really picks up pace in that second episode. Um, and honestly, I, I was very excited to tune in every different episode. I thought it was a fascinating examination of class. You know that podcast, Nice White Parents? Yeah. That's what I felt like this was. This was like an examination, the toxicity of being upper middle class, upper class white. And like that you can be uh, well-meaning, but still be part of this like horrible system. And uh, and I thought that 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 was just great to watch every episode. I wanted to see the ways in which these people would be toxic and disgusting and like horrifying and every episode it delivers. Um, And then at the end, I mean, it ends in a very particular ending, Jay, which I'm not going to like. Don't spoil for everybody. We just said watch the first episode. Exactly. I'm not going to get into it, but I'm just going to say that the the ending is a payoff and the ending, you know, it, it has a point. It's saying something and it's it's a good ending. I just think that shows like this get all the accolades. A satirical exploration of our society. I mean, this is fun. This is funny. I, I'm sure it is. I just feel like my whole thing while watching shows like this are... When do you get moving? Why am I not invested? What is happening? Like, I just, the most interesting character was Armand. I I thought. And. Oh, Armand is interesting. And Armand is like one of the leads of the show. But like the dad is also interesting. And like the newlyweds are hilarious. Like both, like the newlywed husband dude, he's so fucking like obsessed he's like I know I paid for the best room in the hotel but I'm not in that best room I wanted that stupid pineapple room and someone else has it and I want it because it's the best and it's like that entitlement and then like how much his like brand new wife is like horrified at who he is and like how does she not see it before like I don't know it's just well I it was, want a, it to was see- a whirlwind romance and it, oh sure it, I, I've seen the season I mean I see I know yeah, how it plays yeah, out yeah but like I mean yeah I don't know how you can say you're not invested like the dad the dad character the way that he's like just obsessed with his balls like a child but he's a grown man and yes. and the way that his relationship is with his wife he feels emasculated by her and like you can feel it in their interactions um his relationship with his son is really interesting. His son really changed. Like, his the son character starts really, like, you're like, oh, whatever. I could care less about this character. But by the end, like, he develops into something. I I just, I'm sh- I was enthralled by these people. And I guess you weren't. So I guess that's I, I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, no, the White Lotus didn't grab me the way it grabbed you. 
I will say I've got some news for you, Ivana. Yeah. The White Lotus is coming back for a second season. It's going to be an anthology show now going forward. So I, I, I guess it's, I figured there's no way you can bring back maybe some of the staff, but like you, uh, there's no way like you cannot, you, it's not like you can see those resort people again. Yeah. yeah I actually they said it was going to be I an just, all new kind of cast anthology. So maybe, maybe the next one will take place like in the nineties, but still at the white Lotus or however, However, they decided to do it. I could see it just being like each season. So I, I, if I was doing it, I would do like, okay, that's the next summer with a new staff and, and new guests. It's a great concept because basically every week at a resort is new people. People only come for a week. So a whole bunch of people show up on a Saturday or whenever they show up the busiest day. And it's like you get to know that person by catering to them for a week and then they leave and then that's oh shit that's why it's seven episodes because it's seven days i'm an idiot oh well there you go i figured it was going to be something similar like that so yeah but that's (laughs) the thing like it's you know the first episode's called arrivals uh you know because they're all arriving at the island they're about to go for seven days and then they're on to the next stage in their life and Someone's clearly dead based on the first five minutes of the episode. And uh, yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. Like not for me. Uh, can I, can but, I ask? Yeah. Who's dead? Who's dead? Who, who's your prediction? Well, you can't tell anyone, but I'm I not think, tell. I think it's Armand. Interesting. He is a lovely, lovely character. He to me is the best character in the show. If you thought it was a limited series, I think you'd kick off, you'd kill the most interesting character on your show because I don't think it's his wife, which they totally play into the idea that it's his wife, but clearly his wife like is leaving this guy. And we know this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so you know I, it I from like the this end prediction. of the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. You do know that by the end of the first episode. Um, what did you think of Jennifer Coolidge? Uh, she kind of drove me crazy a little bit. I, I'm, I was enthralled by her acting. I, everybody's really, really good in this show, by the way. Yeah, they are. They really are. At no point. But they're also all given things to do, which makes it great too. Like even Connie Britton, who's kind of this high paid CEO, powerful woman is like cutting the lobster for her teenage son. And you're kind of like, yeah. there's something off there. There, You know, Connie's finding more about the character to go in there. Like, that's that's cool. So everybody has lots of heavy lifting, which is kind of why, I, while I was watching it, I'm like, Ivana loves this. Like, I can just see how actor-driven this is. Like, it's... It really is, Not yeah. to mention, it's, <laughs> it looks beautiful. And that touched your producer heart. And I'm like, just... Yeah, I just knew you loved it. I I really, I love the show. I knew it wasn't going to be quite for you. Um, I do think you should give the second episode a shot. And this is because Blake was not that into it on episode one, but we went ahead with episode two and then he was hooked. And then that was it. We watched every, like every Sunday. Then you're really going to hate the fact that I'm hooked on the vampire diaries right now. 
and there's no way I'm going back to the White Lotus while Stefan and Damon are taking over this Mystic Falls town, and I'm so into it because I'm a 16-year-old girl all of a sudden. <laughs> all right. Well, fair enough. Maybe I got to <laughs> give that show a shot. <laughs> oh, God. Honestly, it's like The Order. Which you recommended to me, which I today I love the recommended order. to Caesar. Yeah. Friend of the show, Caesar. He was like, We finished Supernatural. What do I do next? I'm like, You, I'm watching The Vampire Diaries. You go watch The Order. And he wrote me and said, like, Those really good start. And I'm like, Yeah, really yeah, good start. Yeah, it's a good show. It's, yeah. I, I, do you think, is it canceled now? Or are they, yeah, they yeah, canceled yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Right? It's canceled. It's canceled. I think it made it to, motherfucker. S- Two or three seasons. Two. But what are we watching next week? We gave gave the White Lotus a shot. I have a proposal for us because you're in your spooky season and I love it so much. Yeah. You got that silly, silly freaking smile on your face talking about the spooky (laughs) fall season. And here's what I want to propose. I want to propose that we go back and we watch the original Candyman movie so that we can watch after that the remake of Candyman which has come out now yes I am in because I haven't seen either and it's like a glaring hole in my watching catalog of horror movies because I know what that that original Candyman meant to so many people in the 90s so I um I see interesting I Somehow remember Candyman, like the original, as like a bit of a laughing stock movie, like um, maybe like guilty pleasure for people. But um, I put it on like a couple weeks ago, but then I fell asleep. So I didn't actually watch it. So I'm down for this because I have been meaning to go back and watch it properly. And I love the idea of like a head to head. We can compare. We can contrast. This will be. I'm not going to say you have to do this just like you said to me. Jay, you don't have to watch all of the White Lotus, just the first episode. But I may watch all of the other Candyman because I think there's three of them. And I may watch the oh, trilogy th- and then and the then new the one. Re- I might do that. Whoa. I might do that. I might do that. Because okay. I did that with Child's Play. I was going to watch a new Child's Play. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch all of the Child's Play. So I may do that. With Candyman. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I like this. Maybe I might join you. I'm not going to commit. Don't commit. I'm not asking you to. I'm just saying. If I do, then I might have some extra little things I can throw into the, the podcast when we do the new one. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. And please be sure to tune in again next time. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please add a rating or review to your podcast app if it's available. The music you heard today comes from bensound.com. And if you read our show notes, you'll learn more about our friends who voiced our intros and where we sourced our sound effects. You can find more episodes and information on our website, morethanmovies.net. You can also like us on Facebook slash morethanmoviespodcast. And if you want to interact directly, you can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Ivana. We'll be back soon with a new episode. So make sure to subscribe if you haven't yet. So until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more.